Hi, Brain Allies. This is your host, Juliette, speaking. You are listening to Brains Out Loud podcast, where we talk about important topics surrounding mental health, from our work life to our personal life to everywhere in between. Our goal is that through these conversations, we can help others prioritize mental health on equivalent levels to physical health. Today, I am here with Nia Mafet, and I actually came across Nia on TikTok, and I was scrolling through and I saw this incredibly vulnerable and powerful video that she made about being a foster care child and having experience in the foster care system. And she was essentially reaching out to see how other individuals in the foster care system were doing to kind of do a check and say, hey, this is how I'm doing. This is the reality of the situation. And I want to see where you're at. And it really, it will, first of all, blew up. There were so many people that I saw in the comment section that really appreciated this outreach that you did, Nia. And it just really caught my attention. And I thought it would be great to have a conversation with you about the foster care system and, and you and your life and how it has impacted your mental health, the changes that you'd like to see. Um, so I'm really excited to have you here today. And um, I appreciate you being here. And I guess I'll just start with the, the question of why did you want to make that TikTok? Like what was going through your mind when you decided to do that? Well, that's so funny because why? It was just such a tough day that day. I had been told by a lot of people in my life that I should seek a counselor or a therapist and, you know, get help. And for the longest time I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But it just wasn't like a super big priority for me, you know? And then I had gone through some super traumatic stuff recently with my last foster home and stuff and, and just a very traumatic summer. And so finally I broke down and I was like, okay, I need to find a therapist ASAP. And so I was emailing a bunch of therapists and that morning I'd been denied by two of them because my state health insurance that the state had given me um, was too low. And so that was just kind of like the breaking point. And I was like, I'm so done, you know, I'm done with like, excuse my language, but the shitty things that the state gives me and I'm just done. You know, the one time I tried to help myself, it just, you know, it's completely backfired. And, and so I just let it all out made that video. <laughs> it must've been, and I'm sure it continues to be frustrating when people are making suggestions to you about what you should do to prioritize your mental health or what you should do to make your situation better when you have such limited access to resources. Exactly. That help you do so. Yeah. It's like, they all want to say, they want to give me advice or speak on in my life and stuff, but it's like, at the end of the day, you, you're not going to do anything about it. You're just going to tell me what to do. And then what, I'm just going to get up and do it. Like, I can't just do that because I have literally nothing, you know, going for me so you saying that I need to go find a therapist but then not realizing that I literally can't because I'm 19 and the state health care insurance it's just so shitty so I'm like don't even suggest anything if you have nothing if you don't know anything about what's going on you know right it's it's not productive advice that really draws attention to all of the different issues within the healthcare system in terms of how difficult it is to access mental health care mm -hmm. and not only do we not have mental health care we also don't have mental health resources in, in most of our school systems. Cause it just like, just hurts at the end of the day, you know, a foster kid should, should have mandatory counseling after everything, you know, the state has put us through and then to turn around and say, Oh, sorry, I don't, I'm not going to give you enough money to get help for your mental health, even though I ripped you out of your home and shoved you and ton others, like figure it out yourself. Like, well, right. what was, what was the response like from the TikTok that you made? Everybody was pretty understanding and like compassionate and stuff. There were a few people that were like, that didn't understand it. 
that didn't really understand like the situation or foster care at all, which is totally fine because it's just such a hush hush topic that I would didn't really expect a lot of people to really know about everything. So what, what were those comments though that were maybe frustrating or difficult to see? Um, there was one comment that um, was like, oh, maybe your anger is misdirected. Um, I was talking about being upset with my foster parent when I first got placed into my first foster home because of the way she had like talked to us for the first time, her and her family. And I was just super frustrated. You know, we had just been ripped out of our homes and she's just like, hi, I'm so-and-so, how are you? And then she introduces her daughter and her daughter just doesn't say a word to us. She just stomps off and it's just like, how like un insensitive it is or that moment was for me and my sister. And it just was like, it was upsetting. And they were like, oh, maybe your anger's misdirected. Um, it wasn't the foster parent's fault. Maybe she was trying to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, maybe. But at the end of the day, like you have children, there's, you know, there's gotta be a level of understanding. And she's had previous foster kids and stuff. And there has to be a level of understanding of, oh wait, these kids are just taken from a traumatic situation. And I'm like, not even caring, you know? What was that initial experience like when you when you first got into the foster care system? It was hard. It was really hard. So we had we gone me and my like siblings. We went from no parental like guidance, nothing. I mean, we lived with our mom, but I mean, we were hooligans. We were running <laughs> rampant every day, every night. I think this one time, my mom had told me. I don't ever remember ever talking to my mom even though we lived in the same apartment, you know? And she had told me one time, she was like, you're grounded. And I literally looked at her, I was like, you're funny. And I hopped out my window and I went to hang out with my friends. I was 10 years old. And so we went from like by ourselves, wow. you know, my brothers had to like steal stuff from the store just to feed us that day. And we would just, you know, we literally survived on our own to going from that to the strictest foster home ever. I mean, it was just the biggest shock. And I, I honestly believe, I think I'm still struggling with that now, but like, it was just the biggest shock to go from nothing to a woman who's like in your business 24 hours of the day, you know? Right. And even though like my sister and I were so independent from such a young age and she was eight at the time and she was running around rampant day and night, you know? And so going from that to a foster home it was kind of like it was quite funny because we didn't ask for anything because we didn't need anything and that also is hard for the parent too but yeah it was just tough getting used to having to listen to someone when you first got into the foster care system did you start by meeting with a counselor consistently or did you have any kind of support because that's a really unusual circumstance to to just be kind of thrown in place in, in a new family they had the right idea, but they just executed it poorly. So we did have a counselor. We started off in therapy. Um, it was okay at first, but then once I started like realizing that everything I was telling my counselor was also, she was also telling my foster mom, it kind of got worse from there. And I start, I stopped talking to the counselor and, and stopped talking period. And um, the last counseling session I had she, uh, what's it called? All of a sudden bombarded us with a phone call from like my grandma. 
that we haven't seen in like years on my it was my dad's mom and she's crazy and we were sitting there we're like why would you do that you know like that could have been so traumatic for us and we me and my little sister were just like sitting there like what is this like you don't tell us and all of a sudden on the phone is my grandma like there was no warning there's no preparation nothing and then it was just like weird and after that I refused to go to any counseling session and so I haven't been to a therapist since that so that was kind of like like a like a what's it called that was kind of like a reason why I took so long to to actually try to get another therapist because I was like I don't want to go through that again and you know right just didn't you had a negative association with that type of support mm-hmm. that's that seems very problematic to me that the therapist was telling the foster mother everything that you were sharing because how does that have any type of you know patient doctor confidentiality yeah I feel like it should have been it should have been more like trustworthy I should have been able to trust her but I couldn't at all and and I was already struggling with that and the fact that she would have to turn around and just tell her everything it, it also felt like my foster mom was using that against my sister and I you know everything we would tell her and it was just like why you know so yeah. that's was also hard for us to really talk about anything with anyone after that so so you got put in foster care without any real warning correct yeah no I so I didn't for the longest time I didn't really understand why we were put in foster care until I started reading our like court stuff and I don't remember anyone calling CPS all I remember is one day I go back to the apartment house with like my little sister and my mom and my brothers are gone. Pack their stuff up and they're gone. And then we're like, oh, okay, that's weird. And so we call um, this lady, Martha McLeod. I love her. Um, she came and picked us up. She was from the church that we were going to when, when we were uh, before foster care and stuff. And she picked us up and she took us to her uncle's house. And then we spent the night there and we hadn't heard from my mom or my brothers, but we just didn't really care because they were always like MIA anyways. So, so we just like spent the night at my uncle's house. And then the next day, Martha picked us up again and we went to the fair for the first time. And then we got back to our uncle's house. And then all of a sudden, like this black SUV was like, get in, like, we're looking for Nia and Emmy Muffet. And we're like, oh, what? It was so like confusing and sudden. And like, I was just like, oh, like, this is weird. And so I remember I was like, this is so awkward. I had an ice cream cone and I just walked to the dumpster and I was just like, I just threw it away. I was like, this is so awkward right now. Were you scared? Like you didn't know who these people were. So, right. I don't know what, what I was thinking. I always think it was like, wow, I'm shocked, but they must've talked to my uncle or something beforehand if they knew where I was, because I mean, he was standing out there with, with the lady, you know? And so I was just like, what is going on here? I just didn't know what to do. I just kind of like walked over to the car like what am I supposed to do you know like run away and be homeless I was like no thanks I just it was like very shocked and I was like you know what I'm just gonna go up but I think the hardest thing was is like my little sister was just going crazy you know at first I was like maybe I should run but then I was like they already have her you know like my uncle already has my sister in her arms like I can't just leave her you know and she was just like screaming crying and I was just like this is so much and we got in the car and we're just like I think she exhausted herself so much. She just fell asleep during the car ride. And I was like, where are we going? And she's like, Shelton. I was like, oh, like, oh, I've never heard of that place. (laughs) 
Okay. And I was like, I don't, just stop talking. So I was just like, oh, okay. So they didn't really explain the situation to you? No, like nothing that I remember. I just remember a long car ride and then getting there and then just being like, what the hell is this? Like this white family just like, and I kid you not, when I say the daughter stomped away, she stomped away. The most disrespectful thing I've ever seen is just like we walked in there and she was like introducing herself and everybody and then the daughter just stomps away. I was just like, oh girl, you have an issue. And from then on, I was like, this is going to be bad. I was like, I just knew it. I was like, this is going to be hell. And it was, it was so bad. It was so bad. But how old were you? I was 10. Okay. So how long did you stay with that family before going to the next family? And how long were you able to stay with your sister? Um, so I was in that family for like, up until I was before my 16th birthday. So I was like 15. So it was like four or five years. Um, I went from sixth grade all the way to the middle of 10th grade. Um, I had been trying to leave that family for so long. And by case, my caseworker was just not listening to me. I told him like everything they would do to us, everything they would say to us. And like, he would not listen. He would, he actually, after I texted him how much like I hated him <laughs> and stuff, I went off on him because he was just not listening. He told my foster mom to get a family counselor and she brought in one of her friends uh, that was like training to be a counselor. And it was just horribly wrong. It just went horribly wrong. The lady sat us down and was like saying, telling us, telling my sister and I everything that we did wrong and do wrong and what we need to change better to be a better kid for our foster mom. And I was like, whoa, like what this is the it? last thing I asked for? No, literally. And it was just like, she forced us to do so many things. She didn't do anything for us. I don't know how to picture, like how to make you picture this, but it's like, she had a lot of her own issues herself that she needed to deal with before even having kids, to be honest. And like, and she's used to having like very dependable children. And then when my sister and I came in and we didn't really need anything from her, to be honest, besides a bed and transportation, it, you know, hit her harder than she thought. And she was, we, it was like an acre, two acre farm or something. And we did so many chores every single day. It just felt like labor. And it felt like it was just like, I don't know how to explain it, but she would often remind us like, this is like, this is not permanent. This is a hotel. Like, this is like a hotel. Like you're only going to stay here if I want you here. And yeah, I was just really messed up. And so as soon as she said that, to me like for the first time I was like okay fine like I see how it is yeah and basically started treating her like how she was treating me you know I was like you know what you're not my mother you're only a host and that's what I'm treating you as so that's how I treated her as I would barely talk to her I went to school all day came home did chores and she wouldn't pick me up so I would have to wait an hour after school for the bus and then I would get to the bus stop and walk a mile home get home at like eight do my chores lock myself in my room homework every single night, five days a week. And then on the weekends, if she wanted, if she allowed me to, I would go to a friend's house or something. And then once my freshman year came around um, and she had nothing else to ground me over, um, cause she would always ground me over friends and blah, blah, blah. And I, <laughs> I tried out, I was trying out for basketball and I don't know what this woman, what her problem was, but she wanted to take everything away from me. I went to the tryouts for basketball and I wasn't supposed to because she tried to ground me from sports, but I was like, that's kind of 
wrong because sports is a part of school and you can't really do that you know I was like you're overstepping your boundaries here right and or you're overstepping like you know you you're a host you're not my mom like you can't ground sports and she showed up to my basketball tryouts and pulled me out (laughs) and it was the most embarrassing moment of my life oh my lord it was so bad but it was so bad um this school did you feel like you had support at school at all like what was the reaction of like the basketball coach when that happened or did they reach out and see if you were okay or like were you like did you feel like you had anybody to go to to be like this is the situation that's happening no I felt like I had no one because no one like knew no one paid attention I don't know how to explain it but I was so invisible to everybody and that also played into like I just felt just on my own you know just just how it always felt but instead of on my own I was just on my own but being controlled you know what I mean yeah it wasn't like you had independence you just didn't have support yeah anybody that you could really rely on Mm -hmm. just had kind of direction yeah and and probably not (laughs) supportive direction so what was like what was your experience with your little sister while you were going through foster care did do you feel did you feel protective of her did you feel responsible for her did you guys kind of coexist like what was the the situation we had like I was just talking to her about this the other day we had very different like experiences honestly um I don't know why but when we were in foster care together it kind of drove us apart like a lot I mean even before foster care I wasn't the closest with any of my siblings just because we were even though we were all close in ages two years apart each of us we still like we had our own things going on and we just never really clicked you know and so huh you weren't really a unit yeah we weren't at all and I mean my little sister was glued to my mom when we were um, before foster care and I barely saw my mom and so we just were so different and then being thrown together having to see each other every single day every single minute we kind of just fought a lot and especially since I was getting pressure from the foster mom quite a bit it was just hard you know not seeing her because she was like seen as like the baby you know which was fine with me it's just like I was just getting a lot of negative attention from my foster mom to the point where I was just not talking to anyone. I wouldn't talk to my sister. I wouldn't talk to her. I mean, it was strictly school, sports, home, alone. You know, I just didn't, I just didn't want to have to interact with them and just, you know, feel shitty, you know, every single day. I just didn't want to be there. She would, her, her daughter would tell me, she was like, I'm going to beat your head with a baseball bat. I mean, everybody hated me. I mean, when I say everybody, everybody hated me. She ended up, the last time I saw her, she ended up, we were having an argument in the car on the way to pick up her niece to school when my sister was in the backseat. And um, I was, I was like, she said something to me. I was like, well, if you weren't such a bad mom and she stopped the car, told me to get out. And that's the last time I saw her. She left me on the side of the road and I had to call my caseworker. I was like, you see, I like, I told you for years, I was like, I told you for years, get me out of here. And now look what this got me, got me on the side of the road with no one. I was like, thank you. And then she goes and lies to my caseworker and was like, 
Nia cursed me out and she was saying blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's a lie because I have never cursed her out. My sister was in the backseat. She was like, Nia didn't say one single curse word. All she said was, you're a bad mom. And she got overly offended, kicked me out. And yeah. So that was like the last time I saw her. And then she went to my um, foster, not foster mom, but my, my foster mom went to my youth leader. And at, at the time I was so involved with church and I was such a nice kid. So the fact that she was just so like destructive to me, I mean, her daughter and her were talking one day in the car about me and my little sister was in the car and they just didn't even care. And she was like, cause I wanted, I had expressed being interested in being in like modeling, you know? Yeah. And um, it took a lot for me to express that, you know, I was like, you know what? maybe I do want to try, you know, modeling. Her daughter and her were talking about me in the car. My sister tells me like a few days later, she was like, they were saying how they thought you were too ugly to start modeling and that you, um, yeah, basically just told me I was ugly and that I wouldn't be able to do it. And yeah, just basically laughed at me. And I was just like, wow, you know? And after everything and after her kicking me out, she still had the nerve to go to my youth leader which I saw so many times, you know, a week, a year. And she, she knew everything that was going on in the, in the home and stuff. And I told her, and she told my youth leader, she was like, I lost my baby. I just want my Nia back. Like I failed her as a mom and blah, 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 blah. And of course my youth leader comes to me and she's like, Victoria feels like, or she feels like um, she's failed you. And I was like, well, she has. <laughs> I was like, there's no going back now. I was like, there's, there's nothing there for me. She made her choice. She left me on the side of the road. Like she knew what she was doing. I was like, I don't want to go back. Why would I go back to her? You know, I was just like, you, you know about everything. So what's the, you know, like what is happening here? Did you feel like you didn't really have anybody that had your back as a kid? Yeah, it is the case because no one, no one talks about it. I mean, and when I say no one, I mean, absolutely no one, especially not even like in school and stuff. Half the time, like going through high school as a foster kid, like, and I just recently posted now that I'm out of high school on my Facebook about, you know, about the video that I had done and, and literally all like my high school, like teachers and, you know, friends, adult friends, they're just like, oh my God, I had no idea. But there's so many foster kids in that high school and around me that like how do you not have an idea you know it's like don't you ever worry about like these kids like don't you are you interested you know in their lives like do you just assume everybody lives with their parents like I don't understand when I showed up with like a white family they didn't like you know when I expressed my concerns about not having a ride or not having support you know I didn't you know no one was like oh why you know it's not like it was a secret just like no one cared to know yeah, I mean, there are a lot of foster kids and a lot of foster homes in America in general, but you guys don't really get a lot of representation, do you? No, not at all. I think people just assume that like we're in a better place now since we're not with our toxic or abusive birth family, but it's honestly not the case. I, me and my sister and my siblings probably would have ended up perfectly fine with like, even with being in such a like a terrible like family home situation, we would have been perfectly fine. I mean, regardless of not having any parental figures in our life, we were still going to school. We were still, you know, looking after ourselves. It's not like we, you know, 
had any big injuries or anything. I mean, I broke my arm, but I was 10, you know, kids play. And it's like looking at how we were going to be raised um, and how we were raised like in the foster, it's just like, it's so drastically different. And it's like, we would have been more put together mentally probably if we would have just stayed, you know, where we were rather than in the foster home. Because in the foster home, we, I mean, it created so many problems like trust issues, you know, being alone, feeling alone, you know, sad. We were so depressed. We were suicidal, all these things, unmotivated. I mean, once we got to the foster home, school took a backseat. Like we didn't even care about school anymore. It was always about surviving the foster home. You know, it wasn't about anything else. Like, you know, all my life, like before the foster care and stuff, I was, I loved school. I was always talking about school. I always went to school. And it just was like, then going to foster home, I was like, school was like a survival method, you know, and I wasn't there to just learn. I was there to survive. And I wasn't, and when I came home to the, to our home, it was just like, I want to go back to school because that's the only place I have to get away, you know? And it didn't, and it wasn't like somewhere I absolutely just like wanted to learn and stuff anymore. It was just somewhere I just wanted to be because I had nowhere else. It's like you go through so much stress being in the foster home and then you get to school and you're like relief and then all of a sudden the teacher's like oh like two-page essay do blah 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 and then you're like oh like that's so funny because I just didn't even think about that for the last few days because you're like oh I had a lot of other things going on that I just like once I got to school I just didn't want that to just take over my life also and so I just didn't care about my grades as much you know and then at the end of the year when my grades were bad I was just like Mia what is going on and I put a lot of pressure on myself because I didn't realize what I was doing with this with school you know right realize that I was just using it as an escape and not somewhere I actually wanted to go and learn you know I was just putting it at a background I was like you know what that's not even the most important thing in my life right now I want to push it away you know and so yeah and then I was that also created a lot of stress too because part of me wanted to be really smart you know but the other part just wanted to survive and not have any stress but then I feel bad about myself when I didn't get good grades and I you know it just yeah. played into each other it was just like a vicious cycle all through high school that makes so sense. when you left the first foster care home was that your first separation from your sister? It was, it was weird. It wasn't like we had missed each other because like I said, we had very different um, experiences and I'd honestly love for you to hear her side, but she doesn't really like to talk about it very much, but it was very different. She actually really liked our first foster home, um, especially after like I left because she had more attention, you know what I mean? More attention. But for me, it was easy to leave. Honestly, I was I was done with being the center of attention, like negative attention. You know, I was done being just demoted every single day. You know, and I had been placed with this family that I kind of chose because they had no more like foster families nearby in my town um, that were able to take any kids in. The nearest was like an hour away. And I was like, I don't really want to go an hour away from my sister. I was like, yeah, we'll be separated, but I don't want to leave that far, you know? And I was already in 10th grade in high school and I had to switch homes. And so that was 
I didn't give myself enough credit for that, but that was also really hard. I went, um, I started living with one of my friend's uh, parents. Um, she was my best friend at the time and she had offered and it sounded good because I mean, I had nowhere else to go at the time. So it was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, why not? And it was really great in the beginning. I mean, I had some reservations at first. I told them, I was like, look, you guys, like, I, if, if we do this and if we go through this with, you know, I don't want to have to switch homes again. You know, I don't, in the middle of high school, I want, if we do this, I want it to be permanent. I want somewhere to go to when I, if I decide to go to college and, you know, I want somewhere to come back to for Christmas and the holidays, you know, I want somewhere that's comfortable, you know? And I was like, that's the only thing I want, you know, no matter what, I just want somewhere I can always go. Cause that's what my biggest fear was, was going to college and then being stuck there and not having anywhere to go. You know what I mean? And I made them promise in a meeting uh, we had with my caseworker and stuff. And they did. They're like, we promise to love you forever. And, you know, no matter what, you can always come home. And I was like, okay, it's a done deal. Like, all right then, you know? And so it was great. It was so good um, for a while. And then it kind of like, <laughs> then it kind of like went downhill really fast. So the family had two daughters and two sons, uh, biological, and I was the only like foster kid and stuff. And the oldest girl was my age so that was my friend and the youngest was four years younger than us so it was kind of a big age gap and I knew at first when I went in it's going to be hard for the youngest because I was taking the attention of her older sister you know all the time and so that was kind of hard for a little bit um but then like the older sister started getting also jealous because I was taking more time away from their mom and I just think it was a lot harder than they realized to have me there and so that was kind of hard for me because I'm like I just wanted to you know join this family but it just wasn't working out the way we all had thought basically and so I was struggling with like love issues and like you know and I, I know the mom was struggling with like like equalness you know showing love to the kids equally and blah 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 but yeah, basically her and her husband got a divorce while I was in the home and that was okay. Um, but she got really sad and we kind of were all there for her and it was good and stuff. Um, they ended up, then they ended up being like, I just don't know how to explain it. Like it was fine, but then like they gradually got more and more like manipulative towards me and I just didn't. I just didn't, I didn't see it at first because I wanted to just blindly be like, everything's good, what to do, you know? Because I just didn't want to move. I didn't want anything to happen, you know? I wanted, I just wanted somewhere to be, you know, stable. And I felt a little left out and I was like, this is kind of like, this kind of sucks, you know? Yeah. I don't have anybody to run to when I'm sad or whatever. I thought I had you guys, but apparently not. One thing I asked you guys for, you couldn't do it was just like the biggest disappointment in my life I mean I let them in so much I called them dad I called them mom like and and then that you know it was tough that's really tough um and so I just cut them out, out of my life I was just like you know what goodbye and I was just like finally that is the last I am dealing with that family 
So you, so you've spent a lot of time by yourself, feeling alone, and you've spent a lot of your life being let down by people that are supposed to be your family. It was kind of like awakening for me. It was like, you know what? My birth mother hates me. My birth dad hates me. My first foster home was absolute crap. My second foster home, the one time I wanted to let somebody in and be my parent, complete just completely destroyed me. And so what I wanted after that was just nothing to do with parents. I mean, I still don't want anything to do with parents. I mean, like right now I'm living with my pastor and his wife and it's still hard, you know, to let them into my life. And I know they so want to be those parental figures for me, but I just don't think they understand this. It's so hard for me to let them in, you know? I mean, it's just like, it's not, it's just like, there's so, it's just like too much, you know, too much has happened and I'm already this old. I do most things by myself and it's just like, I just don't see the need anymore. You know, I don't see the need to have parents, you know, I just, I'm far past that. And I feel like I've always been that way. I feel like I've just not meant for just two people. I mean, after the, that family cut me off, I just went to a frenzy, you know, I started living here. I you know, reached out to my birth family. I went down there for my birthday and it kind of just exploded in my face, you know? Um, then I came back and I was just like, that's it. Like, I'm done. I'm done. It's amazing to me that you are as put together and as, as functioning as you are, um, because there are a lot of people that would not be as resilient. So your resilience is really, really inspiring to me. Thank you. It's definitely taken a long time. I mean, I was the perfect kid either, but. But you were a kid. Yeah. I was a kid. Like no matter what situation you were put into, you do a lot of, um, I've heard you say a lot of times like, oh, it was partially my responsibility too, or it was my response. It's partially my fault for trusting them. But at the end of the day, you were a child. They were the adult. Mm -hmm. They were responsible for protecting you and making responsible decisions as your parents, as your guardians, as your adults in your life, and you were a child. So any decision that you made was not, you can't be held accountable for, um, but it sounds like to me that you've made pretty good decisions and that you've just done the best that you can. Yeah, even though I was such a kid, I always just never wanted to be in the wrong. Like I was so conscious and aware of myself that I just never wanted to be the reason, you know what I mean? And okay. even when I felt like I was the reason, I would always just step back and look at it like objectively, you know, take myself out of the situation. And if it was me, I would apologize. And if it wasn't, then I'd get depressed because they think it was me and right. I would be blamed. And, and I didn't, and if they thought it was me, then I thought it was me. Growing up, especially, it was just like everything I did had a consequence, everything, I didn't do had a consequence. I mean, um, my birth family, we, it was so weird. When I tell you it was weird, it was weird. We were so quiet as a family. Like we wouldn't talk to each other. I know mostly nothing about my father. I know really nothing about my mom. We were just like a quiet family, very independent. But as soon as we'd mess up or do something we weren't supposed to or didn't do something, I mean, it was all hell broke loose, we're in trouble type okay. kind of thing you know and the consequences were kind of extreme 
And so I think from a very young age, I kind of learned how to like be aware of myself. And then, and so when the day came, my dad left or didn't leave. He kind of just like was taken to jail. And that was actually my fault, which I don't apologize for. But from that day on, it kind of felt like once he was gone, both parents were gone, you know, like he's out of here. I can do whatever I want. I now know what I do, like has consequences. And yeah, I kind of just started, I mean, we all kind of just started handling things ourselves. I mean, our, our brothers kind of helped guide us kind of not really. I mean, I was just, I don't know. Once my dad left or was gone, I was kind of gone too. I was like, I think he was kind of like the biggest obstacle in my life at the time. I looked at him and I was scared, you know, but once he was gone, I was like, I have nothing here else. Like he, keeping me here, you know, okay. it was kind of my mentality. I was like, I have nothing here. I barely know you guys, like my own family, I barely know you guys. So why am I here? And I was just like, always out, always on my own. Same with my brothers too. You know, it just, I just felt like I didn't know them and I didn't know my mom. I didn't know them. You know, I think it was just such a, like a fear-based um, relationship I had that that's all I knew and I didn't and once it was out of the way it felt like I had all the freedom in the world okay. and so I just took it and I left my family basically I mean I would come home at nights and whatever and still I was young but I mean my mom was barely barely there half the time she had gone through a lot of surgeries and she got addicted to opioids and then that increased to other things and then she had a bunch of men and a bunch of friends and it's just like you know she had her thing going on I had mine my brothers had theirs you know I was just kind of like you know they felt more responsible for my little sister as they should because she was very young than they did for me so okay yeah so that kind of gave me the slip out okay what does what do you think are some of the biggest issues in the foster care system? Like when you reflect back on your experience as a whole, where are the areas that you felt like you needed the most support that you didn't get? Um, or like what major changes would you make? Um, I would say they need better um, healthcare, mental health care, and just better foster parent training. I mean, for one, foster kids, the state should give us good psychiatric help and like mental health and therapists they should give us the best I mean if they are our legal guardians they should give us the best help because I mean they literally I don't think they understand how traumatic it is or maybe they do and they just don't care but like we should have some of the best mental health you know I mean that should be the forefront of our treatment you know I mean it's like it just feels like the kids in foster care are are like criminalized. I don't know if that makes sense, but it just feels like we're criminalized, but it's like really our parents, you know, and they never communicate. You're punished for your parents' mistakes. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And they never communicate that to us. And they never, they're not very good at working with the parents and the kids. It's always like the parents and then the kids. And then they never like, there's no go between, there's no help. You know, it's just like, we should have more than we get, you know, yeah. they give us the bare minimum. And then they wonder why we end up on the streets when we're 18 and the foster parents kick us out. Right. And then, yeah. And then they wonder why there's so many kids having conflicts with foster parents because half the time foster parents don't even know what they're doing. You know, they're only in it because 
you get a lot of money and you get to have new children. But they don't tell them like these children are severely traumatized and they're gonna have a lot of issues, you know? And it's like half, they don't expect these kids to be as hard as they are. And they don't expect like, you know, the difficulties and everything, you know, they should just, the, the way they train the parents now is just the bare minimum, you know? And they I should- feel like they need to be more responsible about who they choose and like let into the foster care system as parents. Yeah, they should have a course. They should have a debriefing. They should, I mean, their caseworkers, our caseworkers need to be more involved than they usually are. I mean, our caseworker saw us once a month and it was just a few simple questions. Like, are you, have, are you getting enough to eat? Are you sleeping? How are your grades in school? How's everything at the home? And then that was it. And then and they leave. That things weren't good at the home, they didn't respond accordingly. Mm-mm, they didn't. He would never listen to me. And the only time he actually did things was when my foster mom, like, pushed him. She had to, like, go to him, like, his office or something. She had to, like, make him do something, just anything, whether it be get vouchers or, like, money for this or money for that. Like, she literally had to be on his back to get him to do anything for us. And so, of course, me saying anything to him, he's just going to be like, oh, that's just a kid. Like, she doesn't know anything she's talking about. Like, she just doesn't like it there. Like, she's over-exaggerating. Like, no. Like, you just, you just, caseworkers also just need to be more involved, you know? And I know people say we have guardian items and and lawyers and stuff, but I barely heard, I think I saw my guardian item one time. I barely heard from my lawyer and I still do. I mean, I still have the same caseworker. I still have the same lawyers and each month is still literally the same thing. How are you doing? How's everything? And you tell them, they're like, oh, okay. What's a guardian, guardian litem? And litem, it's like, it's like a caseworker, but deals with, I don't really know. All I know is like, they're supposed to be there for you more. Like they're just supposed to like. You don't know you what they do and that's the problem. <laughs> exactly. I don't even know what they do, but I just remember she came over one time and she was really cool but then I just never heard from her again so okay. like oh lol that's funny but yeah so I've gotten to the point where I just like don't really care about my caseworkers and I just do everything on my own because they're just so unreliable and I mean every time they ask me for an update in my life I tell them they're like oh my god you're doing so good I'm like thank you it's because I literally stopped trying to ask for help for you guys so yeah. I had to do it all by myself and they're like, oh, she's doing so good that I just don't even need to talk to her. Okay. I'm so a caseworker. If it doesn't seem like you're in an absolute crisis, they're not going to give you any sort of attention. Exactly. But even when, like, I did have all that crisis go on in my in that foster family pool, you know, pulled their support off from under me. I mean, I still, they still gave me nothing. You know, they're like, oh, you just should go see a therapist. You know, use the state health care. And I was just like, oh, okay, thanks. And then when I tried, it's just like, no one wants me because your healthcare is shit. Yeah. It's like, you do nothing for me. So of course, like I'm doing so good on my own, like, cause you do nothing for me. And then they just like, oh, okay, she's doing good. Like, yeah. It just doesn't, you just can't win. I believe if I had stayed in my birth family would have been tons easier. I would have understood that it's okay to be independent from your family, from your parents. I mean, not having to go through so much, 
like trauma that this has like brought would have been super nice. I mean, yeah, I would have been poor. Yeah, I would have been neglected. But like, that's, you know, I wouldn't have known that was neglect because that's just what I knew. It was just what was comfortable and I worked with it. I was independent. I went to church. I was in school. I went to school every day. Like I was figuring it out on my own. Wasn't getting into trouble. I was perfectly fine mentally. I mean, such a fun kid. And then to be thrown into a family that just hated me, thought I was ugly and disgusting. And then to kick me out on the side of the road, that kind of like would have hurt just that alone probably fucked me up more than it would have been growing up in my first family with no physical abuse, just literally neglect, like being neglected and being poor. Right. Like I could have worked with that. Like I was poor, even though I was in foster care. Like, but it's difficult that it's, it's unfair that you have to go back and reflect on your childhood and think about which one of those situations would be, yeah. would lead to a better fate, you know, because neither of them are ideal situations for a child. Um, mm -hmm. And I think really at the end of the day, might you be right about the fact that had you never gone into the foster care system, you would have had less traumatic experiences. Um, really what the foster care system needs to do is if they make the decision that a childhood home is as, is distraught to the point where the children need to be removed, they need to find an appropriate, caring, loving family. And yeah. there are so many people that want to have kids that can't have kids. Exactly. And to make the opportunity to have a child or to foster a child um, be driven by money, I think is just so dangerous. I think it's, it's very, very dangerous. dangerous. And that's why like half the foster kids in the system, most of the foster kids in the system are homeless. They run away, they're homeless, they're living on their own. Like, you know, they're just shitty, instead shitty situations. And I know like talking, like my brothers talk, were talking to me about it. They're like, because uh, they ran away from their foster home and ended up living down south with my dad. And I was just like, I wouldn't have wanted to do that. But like, right. they're like, oh, I'm glad you guys stayed in foster care. And you just had so many more options, you know, rather than being like with us and stuff. And I was like, you literally have no idea, you know? Like, yeah, I went to college, but my foster family didn't help me at all. Who did the college applications? Me. Who did the scholarships? Me. Who told me everything that I needed to know? Me. I literally could have done that being poor and neglected. Like I literally could have done everything I did for myself, like creating opportunities for myself and my birth family by myself, not having to deal with all this extra shit, you know? Like I would have probably been in a better place mentally and everything. Like, I mean, the opportunities I have created for myself we're all done by myself. Like, I don't, I really don't see how, you know, being poor, like being in that situation, you know, by myself, my birth family would have not allowed me to create all the opportunities I have today. You know, it's like, you know, I just, I would have done high school all the way through high school without having to move homes. I would have, you know, taken school most more seriously I mean, I probably would have come out of high school with way better grades, you know? I probably would have been working jobs, but like, who doesn't work jobs in high school? You know, I probably still would have done sports. I mean, I just don't see how 
foster care was just such a necessity for us or half the time, you know? And just like, it just feels like it's just such a, I just feel like I have bad luck, <laughs> bad luck, so. I mean, that, that could be true to some degree, but I think, I don't think there's many people in the foster care system that, I don't know, actually, maybe this is a better question for me to ask you. Do you think that there are more children in the foster care system that benefit from the system or that are hurt by it? Um, I think it really depends on case to case. I believe that if a kid is in a home that isn't being like physically abused or, you know, just isn't being like their life isn't threatened, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then I think it's probably best to keep them where they are comfortable, you know, but I know there are really extreme cases like children being abused by parents yeah. or outside forces that they need to be removed from immediately. But like okay. kids who are just poor, you know, just poor and maybe have a dirty home. My home, yeah, it was dirty. But like, did you see my grades? Did you see like my happiness? I was fine, you know? I just felt, I just feel like in my specific situation, my siblings and I would have been better off being where we were rather than in foster care. Cause I mean, my brothers, they were in school. Once they got into foster care, they dropped out of school. Um, they ran away, had to live under the radar until they were 18. And then they went, you know, got their diplomas, thank the Lord. But like, it just took them a long time. And, you know, but. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say like what would be better in any given situation. I think the overall arching theme is that, I mean, I think there are probably a lot of wonderful, wonderful foster parents and a lot of people that have really wonderful experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think based off of what you've told me is the overarching theme is that the system needs to do better. They really do. And yeah, they really need to be careful on who they choose because I mean, my brothers were placed on the farm and every morning they would have to do so many chores even before they would just go to school. And they would, they would be exhausted through school. They wouldn't even wanna you know, do school. And I mean, they had no, they weren't allowed to have any cell phones, weren't allowed to go anywhere. I mean, it just felt like we were being punished and it just wasn't right. You know, we, we thought, oh, they're rescuing us. Maybe this will be better, but no, it was just like a prison. And it was just like straight farm work for them. And no the electronics no nothing no sports it was just like what is this like it just felt like we were the problem when in reality it was our parents and they just they weren't you know it was just like most foster homes are like that especially group homes the foster parents I don't know what their problem is but they're so strict it's like what do you think these kids are going to do do you think these kids are here because they're bad kids no they're here because their parents are shitty people and they couldn't you know raise children because they weren't ready to be parents and so you want to bring these kids in here give them a bunch of chores, take away their cell phone, take away their rights as, you know, kids and teenagers for what? Because they got unlucky with parents. It's like, they don't, like they need to tell these parents, like these kids are not here because it's their fault. These kids are here because their parents suck. Like these kids like just need love. They just need support. You don't need to lock them down. You don't need to lock the fridge with cabinet when they eat too much you don't need to freaking ground them every five minutes like it just it's like you parents like don't think like you you get these foster kids 
and it's like oh my god these kids are so bad they came from a bad situation no they were making do they were doing their best in a shitty situation and you want to bring them in here and punish them it just didn't make any sense and the state needs to do immensely better on helping these kids like helping these foster parents foster kids like it's very bizarre that you keep mentioning like being put on farms like you were in a situation where you're on a farm your brothers are in a situation where you're on a farm like that does not sound normal to me you like don't they put children in a situation where they need to do free labor yeah exactly it's like don't you think like oh these foster parents own a farm and they have like 10 foster kids I wonder why it's like don't like you don't see it like my brothers had like six other kids there as foster kids that were all working on that farm in the morning before school and after school and it's like do you not see how that's just like free labor I mean what were they getting out of it nothing all the money that those foster parents were getting were going straight in their pockets and they weren't going into the kids I mean all the money my foster parents were getting were going straight into their pockets and wasn't going into my like me and my sister and the foster kids they had it was just for them and then whenever they want money for us they have to go heckle the caseworker for a voucher but it's like you already get money for us each month so why are you already just knocking down the door for this caseworker to send you more money it's like isn't that money you get already supposed to be for us but you want to ask for more so you can use that for us it's like you give us the bare minimum but you get so much from us you get so much out of us and we get nothing and it puts children in a position where they feel like they need to earn the right to live. They need to earn the right to be loved. They need to earn exactly. the right to have a family yeah. and that they should be grateful for what a bed to sleep in so that they can exactly. do labor all day. What was the point of, I mean, not to say what was exactly. the point of taking them out of where they were, but like, if you want to put a child in a better situation, put them in a better situation and exactly. make sure you're doing that because 70% of people that go through a traumatic event experience PTSD after. Mm-hmm. And I would say that every single time a child is removed from their childhood home, um, it's traumatic. I would say that probably every childhood experience prior to foster care was traumatic in some way if they needed to be moved out of their home. So it, there definitely needs to be training. I mean, you mentioned yeah. that earlier. A lot of training. It's just crazy that these foster parents just go unpunished and it's funny that you said that like you have to earn basically where you stay and stuff but at the end of the day it's like aren't you a foster care parent because you want to take us out of bad situations and you're like you have to be grateful for this that was a huge thing with parents too they were always like be grateful for what you have like I gave you a home I gave you that but it's also like I didn't choose to be here and this is like what my foster mom hated a lot because I remember her always being like be grateful and it's like I never asked for any of this I never asked to be here. I never asked to be your child. Like you're the one who signed up for this. You're the one who signed up to have me. Don't go around acting like you did me a big favor. I didn't even want to be here in the first place. If I had a choice, I would be back with my family in my own place, not here, living on your farm, doing your work every single day. It's like, I wouldn't be here. Like, this is your choice. So own up to it. You know, it's just like, this is, that's your problem, you know? And it's just, no one teaches these foster parents that. And they always want to be like, be grateful. Be grateful for what? Being ripped away from my family? Yeah. Like, you're delusional. All <laughs> of them are just delusional. It is delusional. It, it does sound like much of the system and those involved in it are not there with the right intentions. What is, what is the thing that you are the most proud of? I am the most proud of just uplifting myself 
you know, when things get so hard, always just like going after, even though going after things that I want and staying positive. I'm surprised I've stayed positive this entire time. I'm still not sure if it's like fake positivity, but I think it is real positivity. I mean, I'm just proud of how far I've gotten in, you know, just after everything. Yeah. Like, I didn't think I'd make it this far, if I'm being honest. You have been so resilient to go through all the things that you have gone through and to still be here and to have a positive outlook. What's what's next for you? So I just got the best news yesterday. I so I, when I came back, I didn't know what to do, but then my coach was like, come coach volleyball. And I was like, okay, cool. So I started coaching volleyball for the high school. Super fun. And then I started, then I um, started playing with this women's team for rugby that I played in high school all four years. Um, but then once I chose volleyball, you know, I kind of shut off rugby and I went to college for volleyball. And then now that I came back, I was like, maybe I should get back into it. And I got back into it. And um, I had a coach reach out over at American International College in Massachusetts and they play D1 rugby. And my friend is actually the captain of the men's team. And so we exchanged a few emails and stuff and I applied to the college and I'm going to go play in January for their seventh <laughs> season. No yeah. way. Yep. And they gave me a scholarship and I just saw that yesterday. So I'm so excited. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. That's Thank huge. you. Thank uh, you. that is a really big deal that'll be so cool I know I'm really excited and surprisingly I have a lot of support from like my high school coach rugby and my current rugby team my women's rugby team right now they're all supporting me and my volleyball coach and my girls and so it's just been really nice uh, I'm so glad that you feel like you have a, a support system right now and a community behind you mm -hmm. because you just you so deserve that thank you <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I'm really, really honored that you felt comfortable sharing your story today with me and that you were willing to share it with our listeners. And if you could tell like our listeners one thing to keep in mind about foster kids, what would you want them to keep in mind? Um, that they are not the problem. The parents in the system are. And foster kids, they just need extra love so and they're not going to say it ever you know they've been just hushed for so long but if you know one or if you want to know one go to your local schools you know figure it out you know help help them take them out to coffee you know be a mentor give them an escape anything you know yeah I love that I mean there's so much that I've learned from you about being a foster child and being in the system and it really makes me just reflect more on on what I can do and um, like you said, people in your community or at your school didn't know what you were going through. So it's just, yeah, another reminder that you never know what someone's going through. You never know what their home life looks like. You never know what's going on inside their head. And we need to be compassionate and kind to one another. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Mia. I really appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners for listening to another episode of Brains Out Loud. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can find clips of our episodes on our Instagram at Mental Health Global Network.